Thank you for watching the video from One Church of High Point. We hope that today's message encourages you to connect to God, to others, and to your purpose. If you're looking for more information about One Church or for more resources, visit onechurchnc.net. All right, how's everybody doing today? All right. Oh, church, come on, y'all. Y'all, come on. Are y'all still sleepy? It's okay. My sister-in-law says she is. Wake up, Cass. I love you, girl. I love you. I want to thank Trey um, for stepping in for me last week. As you guys can kind of still tell, I am still in the weather, under the weather with a sinus infection. But um, I'm so glad to be here. I look forward to our Sunday morning gatherings. It's, I just love being in the, the body of fellowship of believers. I don't know if you have that same desire, but that is, that's my heart. That's my desire. And Trey did an amazing job. And, you know, it's... Um, Scripture tells us that we have to be ready, right? In season, out of season. I'll call Trey on Friday. And he pulled his message together for you guys this past Sunday in just a couple of days. And so, um, Trey, thank you so much. Your leadership, your gifting, your talents, brother. We, we appreciate it. And um, we know that you, the church was blessed. Amen? Amen. So, what's today? January the 14th, 14 days in this new year. We made it, y'all. We made it through 2023. And now 2024 is upon us. But as all, we always know that every new year embarks what new goals, new resolutions, new dreams, new desires. You know, those renewed purposes that you, you thought that you had that you kind of just laid down. Many of you guys have already went to the gym and got yourself a new gym membership that's going to expire in about three months, right? All these things that you have a desire to do, that's what we do at the beginning of every year. Every year gives, uh, gives our church an opportunity to reshape, refocus what God has called us to do. And for some of you who this is your first time visiting with us, God always give our church, myself, and our team, just a word that kind of shapes who we are for the year. And this is kind of where we kind of just build our, our, almost call it our, just let's say our theos, our theology for that, for this year. In 2021, God gave us a word that it was the year to move forward, right? Y'all remember 2021? It was epic, right? 20, COVID? Come on, church. All right. And so um, 2021, God said it was the year to move forward and 2022, the next year, was the year to go deeper. And, guys, I, I'm just reflecting back. I remember family members, and just when I say family members of church, were just calling me and shooting me text messages to how God began using them and how their family began to go deeper into his word and to his presence. And I still see that, you know, just the fruit of them going deeper this, that year. 2023 was the word that God gave me. He typically gave me a word right around November, October, and I kind of just prayed with them, make sure we're in, you know, we're in alignment. And God gave me the year for revival. And um, not knowing in 2023, revival will kick off the way that it did. Y'all remember earlier in 2023, Asbury and just people were on fire for God and, you know, just the Holy Spirit was just, just cascading all across the world. And so 
I knew then that we were in alignment with God wanted to do. He wanted to revive your relationship with him. He wanted to revive some marriages. He wanted to revive your personal relationship with God the Father. And so as I began to pray, as we begin to approach uh, 2024, God dropped the word of the year like in May. I'm like, God, are you, are you, this is early. I'm like, there's no way. Like, God, you normally clutch like at the last minute. He gives me the word and I'm like freaking out because I'm like, okay, God, I want to make sure you tell the staff and our team that we got to start producing, you know, just media. He did it in May. And I, I sat on our word for, for months. And it was just confirmed, and I'm like, God, okay, let's, this is it. I told our team earlier this year, and I'm like, well, last year, I said, guys, this is the year that God has called us to be disciples. It's the year for discipleship. And so I want you guys to begin to understand, this is just not a one-year word. It says we begin to labor into what discipleship looks like and what discipleship God has called us to do and become. Like, this is going to be a three-year process. So I want you guys to really begin to understand that there won't be a word for next year. It will be the same word the year for discipleship times two, right? 2.0, right? Amen. Then year three will be the year for discipleship 3.0 because discipleship is just not like a one and done thing. And that's what many people, you know, we believe it is. It, It happens, it takes place, and then we're finished. No. True discipleship is an ongoing process. True discipleship is a process of labor and love. And see, there's nothing wrong with making New Year's resolutions. I know you guys got them, you know, today. You guys 14 days in. How are you guys doing? You doing okay? Some of you guys are not. There's nothing wrong with making resolutions. But the problem isn't the New Year's resolution. It's the problem if you haven't invited God into that resolution. You're so busy telling God what you want to do. Have you really sat and thought about, God, what do you want me to do? And so what, if, if that kind of hits home for you, it hits, it hits a little hard, that's good because I'm here to remind you that every time we make a resolution without God's invitation coming to that resolution, then it's just a problem that you're going to have later on. And then you're going to be praying to God, can you fix this problem, but you created it. And so what I want us to do is I want us to pull back just a little bit and say, God, we want to invite you into our lives, into my plans into your dreams that you have for my life, my plans for my life according to your riches and your glory, God. So let me just set the backdrop for our message for today. This year that God has called us to be disciples, the year for discipleship. This backdrop is going to come out of Matthew chapter 16. And this is where Jesus shares with his disciples for the very first time that he's going to be crucified, that he, that he will be, he will be led, led away. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus shares with the disciples for the first time that the Son of Man will have to go to Jerusalem, that the Son of Man will go to Jerusalem, and there, and there only where he will begin to suffer for our, for our sake. But then he says that I will be killed, and on the third day I will raise. This is the first time that his disciples begin to hear that the person that they begin to walk with, this this Messiah that they begin to walk with for these past three years, things were going to be different. 
And it just lets us know when you walk with God, there's going to be some challenges. When you walk with God, there's going to be some trials. When you walk with God, there's going to be some burdens. When you walk with God, there's going to be some situations that you can't control. When you walk with God, it just lets you know that there will be some difficulties that you will face. So Matthew 16, Jesus tells them that there's some things that's going to take place that you're not ready for. And as we go to Matthew 28, which is the hallmark of our scripture for this year, we see here in Matthew 28 that Christ has died. Stretch high and across, stretch wide, and he's looking down at his mom and his disciples. He takes his last breath and he dies. But here in Matthew 28, we see the return of Christ. And this is what Jesus says to them. Jesus gives them some instructions about what to do after he's gone, right? So we know that Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, that's where we get our scripture for our church, where he tells us to become one. That was one of his last prayers that he prayed with his disciples, right? So if you're going to lead this earth, my question would be, what would be your instructions to your children? What would be the instructions to your family members? What would be the last words that you would give to your loved ones? In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus prayed with the disciples and said, you know what? Unity is what I want for you. Because if you guys are united in such a way that then the world will believe that I am God, that I am the true Messiah. That was before he left. That was the prayer that he prayed with his disciples. Now here, Matthew 28, we see that Jesus is gone. He's died and he's, he has already returned. He's out of the tomb. He is fellowshipping with his disciples. And he gives him some last instructions. Matthew 28, verse 16. And this is a very common piece of passage that we've learned. But I want you to begin to understand what Jesus is saying. He says this. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But yet some doubt it. Let's stop right there real quick. When they saw Jesus, some worshiped them, him, but others doubted. You mean you can be in a posture of worship and doubt all at the same time? Have you been there before? That the faith that you had, that you grew up with, you know, the faith of your mother and your grandmother and your grandfather, the things that you guys, that you know, that you know, that you know, but yet you still have some doubt. Come on, church. I've been there before. I got a PhD in it. Some of y'all got a PhD times two. Come on now. Some worship Jesus and even doubt it. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying that all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. Everybody say go. Go. 
Now look to your neighbor and say, go. Now look to your other neighbor and say, he said, go. Amen. He is not me as he is God. Amen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Oh, I love that part right there. That's for, yes, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. I am with you always. To the end of age. Let me say this. If your response to Christ's resurrection and his death is expressed solely by your Sunday morning attendance, then you're diminishing his death and his resurrection. If your expression of my God, your God, our God, our Lord and our Savior, his blood, his pierced side, is expressed solely through your Sunday morning experience, then you're diminishing his death and his resurrection because there's so much more that he has for you and I. Church, we can leave right now. God needs more of you. God desires more of you. If I had to give a title to my message today, it would be the mission of discipleship. It's the mission of discipleship. I want you to realize that as Jesus is talking to his disciples in Matthew 28, He's talking to his disciples. Jesus is talking to regular people. Right? He could have went to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He could have went to the temple. That was all, you know, it was desecrated because, you know, the veil torn, ripped into temple. He could have went there, or at least outside the temple. He, he did not choose to make his appearance to them. He chose to make his appearance just to regular, ordinary people. And in that, he made a great commandment for us to go. And so, because I believe he did that because he, many of you be like, well, that's not my job. That's pastor's job. No, that commandment was to ordinary people tax collectors and fishermen and doctors, I mean, ordinary people. Not people that has a master's degree or a PhD. He's talking about ordinary people, teachers, educators, stay-at-home moms and dads, church planters. Got to get church matter. Amen over here. Amen, amen. Ordinary people. Just to let you know that this calling is for everyone. 
and that you don't need any degree to do what I've called you to do. You don't need any seminary training to do what I've called you to do. I just need your yes. Does God have your yes today, church? Does God have your yes today, church? The mission of discipleship was called to ordinary people. Ordinary people who doubted. Ordinary people who doubted. Even in their doubt, Christ believed in those disciples. He still pursued a relationship with them. That Christ was still willing to walk with them and disciple them in relationships and the differences between let me, what Christ did is this. Christ walked with them. You know, anybody been to Walmart before? Y'all know sure Walmart? Raise a hand. You ever go to Walmart? Boy. Walmart has a culture all by itself. I think Walmart and the DMV hired from the same pool. <laughs> right? Like, where do you get these people from? It's not West Virginia, right? <laughs> Got you, Adam. <laughs> no, I'm like, I don't. You ever ask somebody from Walmart where something is? Yeah, go down this aisle. And it's not even the right aisle. At least give me somewhere in the vicinity, right? See, the culture of Walmart is basically is like they they don't, I don't even know what the culture of Walmart is. So they all all grounds of hospitality and just and just serving at Walmart is just gone. The culture is out the window. Like it's if you can't find it, you just can't find it. Just forget it. Go to Target. Right? See, the goal of walking with people, Jesus still decided to walk with his disciples. He didn't point and show them and say, this is what I want you to do. So that's the difference of Walmart and Home Depot. Home Depot has a, a culture, if you go to Home Depot, that if you ask where something is, you know what Home Depot do? They were like, you know, let me take you down and show you where it is. They walk with you. Walmart, Walmart is Walmart. And so what I'm going to do, we're just going to kind of sit in verse 18 for just a little while, more or less verse 19. We're just going to kind of sit in the word go, right? We're just going to sit and go. And in the original text, go is porioname which means to travel, means to, to depart, go away, to go with, to, to journey with. And I want to do just kind of give and shape the theology of this just a little bit differently so that way you can begin to understand what go means in this context. Now, as I begin to look at discipleship, you guys probably who's been here for a while have seen my, my the illustration where I would kind of go out and bring people up and do some different things, but that's not what I want to do today what I want to kind of just begin to show you something differently. What God began to reveal to me is that go means that as you go. 
See, many of us think that going is going overseas into a third world country. Just plug, guys, we're going to Guatemala June 22nd through the 29th. We'll see me after service. Amen. But many of us think that we're go means that I'm going to have to go to a whole nother country to, to make disciples. But God is saying, no, what he's saying as you walk and do life day in and day out, as you begin to go to Walmart and Target and Home Depot and Lowe's, as you begin to go to work and you go to school, he's saying that's the journey that you're talking about. His goal is, is, is actually is, is here and is there. So you don't have an excuse. Ordinary people. God wants us to be discipled and also, he wants you to disciple. It's a mutual existence. Not only should you be discipling someone, but God is saying, I need you to be discipled by someone as well. My, one of my mentors from my old church, he said, you know what, like, you should always have a table that you're sitting at where you're not the smartest guy, right? Because you would never learn anything. He said, if you're a six, you can't tell a seven how to be a seven because you're a six. It's only in the company of a seven, eight, nine, or 10 that you can be learned how to become a seven. But for those who are one, two, three, four, or five, you can disciple them how to become a six. And so I need you to begin to evaluate who's sitting at your table. So many people are afraid to go. Henry Blackaby, uh, a well-known author, one of my favorite books, and I use this book a lot to disciple, to do small groups, and it's called Experiencing God. If you have not studied that 13-week study, it's a five-day week study. Um, some days there's grace that abound. Jose, as I forget to study a weekend, I'll, you know, we work it out together and we do different things. And, and what happens is this. He tells us that, see what God is doing and join in. And so Henry writes in this passion, and this, this is what he says. If Christians around you, around the world, were to suddenly renounce their personal agendas, their life goals, and their aspirations, and begin to respond with radical obedience to everything that God has showed them, the world would be turned upside down. So what Henry's saying, if you will lay down who you are as a person and pick up who God has called you to be, this world will be turned upside down. Then Henry says, he asks a rhetorical question, how do we know that? And he says, because we're still talking about the first century Christians that did it years ago. Right? We're still talking about those first century Christians that are still doing things or have done how, how it has touched us. So if we begin to lay down who we are, our desires begin to pick up what God wants for us and our desi his desires for us, then we can turn this world 
upside down. What God is saying is, what Henry is basically saying this, are you willing to make my agenda your agenda? Are you willing to pick up my agenda and lay down your agenda? Right? And so when we say go, what God is saying, my agenda is in your marketplace. My agenda of the missions of discipleship is right where you work, where you go to school, where you have conversations, where you're going to go to lunch after, after church. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me just, let me do this. See, this, this is what Jesus did with it. He began to walk with his disciples. How you doing? Can, can we walk together? Yeah, I need to take the glasses off. Oh, we can't do that just yet. No. So what God is saying is that, you know, we're just going to kind of walk, right? And what discipleship looks like is that you just, we walk together, we begin to do things together, we begin to go out and have lunch. No, don't do that, please. No. Uh -uh. <laughs> we need to have lunch. We get to talk about Jesus. We're just, we're just disciples. And what happened is that I saw you sitting down mm -hmm. and something about you caught my eye. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> what God is saying, are you willing to take some time out of your, your, your day to just begin to talk and do life together? And then we get to have questions about who Jesus is and how Jesus affects and affects our lives and begin to ask questions and begin to ask about who is this man that you, you worship every single day. And then you begin to see the realization that you need a savior. And as we begin to walk, I'll walk you through the prayer of salvation. And so now we're, not, we're walking together now as brothers and sisters in Christ because we were brothers and sisters in Christ, but now we're, we're covered by the blood by Christ. And yet discipleship, we still kind of walk together. We still talk about things that, you know, God has for us. And, you know, we even talk about the hard stuff, the ugly stuff. You know, we just don't talk about the pretty things, right? Because when we know that there will be trials and situations in life, right? And so what happens is that you begin to catch the fire because you understand now what discipleship looks like. You're, you caught it. And so what's going to happen? You're going to grab somebody else begin to walk with them because that frees me up to go and grab another person to disciple. And see, what happens is this, is that we grab people. Come on, Chris. Got to grab my nephew. <laughs> see, what happens is this. We grab people that were comfortable, that look like us. He looks like me. We grab people that look like us, that's in our, our, our friend group, our community. But what does Matthew 28 tells us to do? To go make disciples of what? Of all nations. But what's, what's comfortable for you is that you're going to grab somebody who, who looks like you, talks like you, may vote like you, who's in the same community as you. And so, Chris, go grab somebody who looks exactly like you real quick. Yes. And so... You guys have been doing life together. You're, you know, he, he's getting, he's on fire. So what happens now is that you begin to disciple somebody else because Carlos got the, he got the fire. 
and he's going to go grab somebody else. And so Felicia, she caught wind. She's like, God, I need to make a course correction because your word tells me not only just to make disciples of all people that may look like me, but now she caught the whole multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-generational. Come on, church. So, yes. And so, brother, you need some prayer. God tells us to go make disciples of all nations. So I need you guys to go out and go grab somebody who does not look like you and talk like you. Chris, go grab somebody who does not look like you and talk like you. And you guys keep going. See, and this is what discipleship is all about. We're grabbing ordinary people to do the work of God. We begin to do the will of God, but we begin to have hard conversations. We have Bible studies on Wednesdays. We begin to break bread on Mondays, right? Trinidad, come here. And we have to be careful. Sometimes when we pick disciples, you know what happens? It doesn't have an age limit. Church, we have to begin to disciple the next generation. We have to begin to speak life into this next generation. So this, oh, well, y'all not, no, keep working. Y'all, y'all keep going, keep going. You guys get it. And so Trinity, because I know the calling that God has in life. I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to speak into you. So I need you to go out and make more disciples. All right, go get them. Go get them. Oh, yes, yes, sir. Oh, Y'all know what? I'm going to the back because the back is not safe. The back is not safe. I'm coming. Oh, I'm about to get you. I'm like, who? Any me? Oh, yes, sir. Carolina, babe, let's go. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Oh. So we're going to make disciples. Yeah. Do you see the energy of what God's doing? This is what God wants the church to be like. This is what God has called his church to be. Because disciples making disciples that make disciples will continue to make disciples. Are we about to have a Holy Ghost party up in here? Because there ain't no party but a Holy Ghost party. Because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Right, church? Yes, yes, yes. Keep it going. Yes. All right, all right. This is what discipleship looks like. Oh, yes. All right. All right. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Now let you know where you at. Let's give everybody a round of applause. Amen. 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 Now y'all go sit down. I want you guys to get a glimpse of what that looks like. See, the mission of values of one church is seek, serve, and send. We seek the one. That means that we're seeking that one person who may be sitting by themselves that may not have community, may not have connection. We're seeking the one as we seek the one. So we're, we're seeking vertically as we go in horizontally, right? It's a twofold process. As we're seeking God the Father vertically, then he says, you know what? Go after the one. And it's in our seeking and serving and then ascending. These are the bedrock missional statements of one church. We seek, we serve, and we sin. Did you see that? 
how discipleship looks like and what, what God has called us to do. God use your, you and your testimony as ordinary as we are to go grab one. And then you release the one. And then you kept it again. Because I believe this. Discipleship is multiplication and not addition. Discipleship is not addition. It is multiplication. And we've missed it for years, right? You, you ever seen a cross? Our, 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 our Lord and Savior died on a cross. But if you just turn that cross a little bit, it becomes a multiplication symbol. So when he died, he says, multiply what I'm doing. Give your lives to me. Discipleship is not adding. It should be multiplying. One of my favorite, favorite quotes is by Oswald Chambers. And this is what he says. That a river touches places downstream which the source does not know. A river touch place downstream and the source does not know. Right, one of my mentors, um, Pastor Ken, told me this quote and I, and I began to just begin to live it out. What, what he's saying is this, the lives that you're touching, you don't know what that's gonna, the return of that's gonna be. And so let me just, let me just begin to let you know what kingdom impact looks like. Because many of you are like, you know what, what I can offer somebody really is, is minimal to the gospel. No, it is maximum to the gospel. Let me tell you of a guy of the late 1800s by the name of Edward Kimball. He's an ordinary person, a Sunday school teacher, walks into a class, and as he's teaching, an orphan walks into the class. Young guy, never saw him before, and immediately, this, was, this orphan's attention was captured by Edward Kimball. As he's teaching Sunday school, he made it a point to go back and talk with him, but as class let out, he wasn't able to go talk with this young man. Wasn't able to connect with him, and, and Edward, he was like, man, I want God. Help put this person back into my presence. Put him back into my, my line of sight again. Just let me, let our past cross. Plagued and wanted the, the desire to pray for this young man, so he began to pray for him, not knowing who he is, but just began to pray for him because he, he knew of him. He walks into a shoe shop. And he sees this young boy. And this young boy and Edward begin to form a relationship. Edward begins to disciple this young boy. And as he discipling him, this young man gives him, gives his life to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That young boy, that young man now is or was D.L. Moody. If you don't know who D.L. Moody is, D.L. Moody is one of the premier preachers, evangelists of all times. He's like one of the goats, the goatest of all goats. Yeah, yeah, 
I'm, I'm, I'm semi-Baptist, so it's okay. Forgive me. But D.L. Moody, he, he's, he led over 100 million people to Christ. 100 million people, evangelists, pastor, preacher, author. So D.L. Moody began to have an impact on an F.B. Myers who began to look at D.L. Moody's leadership. D.L. Moody began to work with F.B. Meyer, and then he's a, he's a theologian who wrote 75 books, a theologian who had crusades all across the world, and, you know, the United States began to really address issues like um, alcoholism and just prostitution. And so F.B. Myers began to really talk about the culture, things that began to kind of slip away from the American culture. So F.B. Myers is doing this because he was inspired by D.L. Moody, who was inspired by, you know, Edward Kimball. So F.B. Myers began to preach and teach and inspire a Wilbert Chapman, who was another hymn writer, urban evangelist, who was soon disciple a guy by the name of Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday goes forth and he's you know, he's doing some great things. He's a professional baseball player. Then he gave up baseball to become a preacher, pastor. So you, you see how the, the lines of people's lives being touched after one person, after another person. So Billy Sunday, past base, baseball player, now preacher, was inspired by Mordecai Ham, who had a heart for revival, who had a, a very successful revival, but wasn't very successful as D.L. Moody's and everyone else, said, all of his other pre predecessors. But he wanted to teach the gospel and preach the gospel and begin to really go out and, and proclaim who God is doing, what God is doing in his lives. And disheartening, somewhat maybe even frustrated and, and sad, he said, I got one more in me. I have one more crusade in me. He said, you know what, after this, I'm just going to lay the rest because I don't feel like I'm making an impact on anybody. And so Mordecai Ham, he's, he goes to one more crusade in 1932 on a farmland. And the last night of his last year, of his last crusade, and his last altar call, he does an altar call. A 16-year-old kid comes up walking down the aisle and accepts Jesus Christ for the first time. And that 16-year-old kid was Billy Graham. A river touches place downstream which the source does not know. Who would have known a person like Mordecai Ham who felt irrelevant in the grand scheme of things would inspire somebody like a Billy Graham? And Billy Graham is one of the goatest of all goats. Amen? Right? So the lives that we see touch was from Edward Kimball to Adia Moody. To F.B. Meyer, to Wilbur Champlin, to Billy Sunday, to Mordecai Hill, who persuaded and influenced Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists that has been done in this generation. John 20, 
Jesus was telling the disciples that as my heavenly Father sent me, Discipleship to take place. The first, the first is this. Discipleship never changed. It should change your prayer. The three changes that discipleship would do in your life if you walk this out. And the first change is this. Discipleship should change your prayer. Discipleship should change your prayer life. Because discipleship should keep you looking at God depending on who you want to be. Ephesians 3.20 tells us this. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we want to change. All that we can ask for and imagine is the power that works in the Forever. We believe that God can do immeasurably more. Like the sound of a symphony tomorrow. Let me keep it That God can do immeasurably more. That's that's beyond measure. He can do more in your life. culpability. There's some things that would take place on both sides. There's an exchange from that person and you. Even if it's just sharpening your skills as a disciple maker. Because you know have to depend fully on God because he has a commission on your life. The third thing is this. It should change our church. It should change the way you pray. It should change who you are. And in retrospect, because we're connected, it should change our church. Just imagine when we did that illustration where you were discipling somebody, the energy, the atmosphere that that took place just in that matter of minutes. And if we catch this church, discipleship should change your prayer, it should change you. And it should change the church, but it's not. And we have a problem. I believe this. If you fully believe in Matthew 28, then your belief should equal your behavior. Right? That my belief should equal my behavior. 
that my belief in what this script, these scriptures tell me what to do, how to live out my life, how to help everyone live out their lives should change my behavior. So why isn't it? Why aren't we disciple makers? Let's do this as I begin to kind of land the plane because you guys are getting quiet on me, and it's okay. My belief in what the authority of the scripture says about who we are as believers, about what God has called us to possess and take hold of and how to live out our lives should 100% equal my, my behavior. In other words, that when my conviction lines up with the scriptures, we as believers and as a church, big church, pass a tipping point, right? There's a tipping point that we will surpass. But the problem is that your behavior doesn't equal your beliefs. My behavior may not equal my beliefs. And I want you to think about that as you begin to prepare to close, right? Ask yourself, does my behavior magnify my beliefs? As our worship team begin to come to the stage, there's some things I want you to consider as we begin to walk through this process of discipleship. Guys, we're going to go deep in this discipleship. We're going to have more home groups throughout the week. We're going to have more opportunities for you to be discipled throughout the entire week. Like Wednesday night programming does not, it should not, it is just not enough. Your attendance on Wednesday and your attendance on Sundays is not enough. And if you're not attending some type of extra relational, community-driven study outside of Sunday, then you're borderline anemic, biblically and spiritually speaking. Oh, you need more than iron. You need some Jesus. There's some things I want you to consider. I want you to be intentional. Be intentional in all that you do. Be intentional about who you're doing life with. See, our discipleship model that we're, we're, we're as a church that we're refashioning, that Jesus was one man who spent three years with 12 disciples. Here at One Church, we call that the one three twelve model. Jesus was one, one year, one man who spent three years with 12 people where he poured his life into. He was very intentional about everything he did. And so we're here at One Church, this is what who we are. Taking the same model that Jesus was, we are one individual who should choose three people to disciple for 12 months. And then those three people will begin to multiply themselves, right? Those three people will become that one person who choose three people. So guess what? That's nine people plus me. That's 12. The multiplication that I just did off of one person poured into three people's lives over 12 months became 12 people in one year. You take those 12 people. You're a 
times it by three. Do the math. That is multiplication. So guys, over this next year, we're diving deep. We're diving deep into discipleship. So I need you to be ready. I need you to be on fire. I need your desires to be aligned with God in such a way that you cannot be, you will be in rhythm with God in such a way that you have never been in rhythm before. But it's going to be intentionality. It's going to take that you have to learn as you go, right? It's okay. Some of this stuff we have to learn while leading, right? And it's okay. But while learning while leading, sometimes that means you, you have to embrace some mistakes. Go back and re, refashion it. Do it over. Learn it. Be intentional. Learn as you go. Embrace mistakes, but yet, guess what? Identify the bridges that God makes for you. God will put bridges along your way to help you get across, to help you get across with the other person. And because we are a multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multi-economic church, I'm asking that we'll be culturally sensitive as well. Super important. Why is that necessary? I have one of my, my former employees who was from a different country. And let me just say, if you've ever been out of the country, people don't bathe like they do over here in the States. Right? That's just, that's just the truth. That's, that's, the, that's their cultural norm for them. And I, one of my executive higher-ups sent me an email, and they wanted me to talk to them about their BO, their body odor. And to them, that was just normal. But because we got Bath and Body Works and we got whatever, it's offensive to the American culture. So what are we going to do? I want us to do this. I want you to realize that discipleship starts and ends with Jesus. Discipleship starts and ends with Jesus. We've got to get back to the cross. We have to get back to the cross. Mark Battison talks about a story about a drought that took place back in biblical days. And this drought was at the point where it's going to destroy an entire generation. The last of the, the Jewish prophets had died just centuries before, and there wasn't any miracles that was benumbed to the land at that time. So this drought was actually going to take the lives of a whole generation. Then there was no, no, no prophet in the land as well. But Mark writes a book of an individual that was a prayer warrior. And this prayer warrior began to take his staff. And his prayer warrior began to draw a circle around himself. Then he drew another circle around himself and another circle. And this, this prayer warrior was known during that time frame to be a person who prayed and God listened and heard his prayers. But Mark writes this book and he began to identify with this with this individual, and this is the prayer that he made. He said, Lord of the universe, 
I swear unto you on this day by your great name that I would not move from this circle, from this center circle that I've drawn for myself until you have shown mercy upon your people and you allow rain to come down. This individual made up in his mind that until God moves, he was not going to move. And so as he was praying, drops begin to fall from heaven. But guess what? He wasn't just okay with drops from heaven. Come on, church. He wanted the overflow. He wanted the overflow of the rain. So he continued to be in prayer. The next thing you know, a downpour of God's glory and his creation began to saturate the earth. Church, this year, as I begin to stand in my circle praying, I am not satisfied for one or two disciple-making disciples. I would not be satisfied to our entire church have a way of life about making disciples that make disciples. And so today, the amazing grace that God has for you and I is extended to us today because we've been getting it wrong far too long, church, and things are coming to an end like our our Lord and our Savior, he's going to come back soon. That sky is going to crack open. And I'm going to try to take as many people with me to heaven. Come on. Thank you. So as we stand to our feet. This whole month, we're going to continue in a series about discipleship. So if you're going to get tired of me talking about discipleship, go ahead and miss the next few Sundays. It's okay. I'm going to give you a pass right now. But I'm going to let you know, we're going to be talking about disciple-making disciples over these next several weeks. And I'm going to challenge your theology. Because, church, we have to get this right. Our communities are dependent on it. Our families are dependent on it. Our schools are dependent on it. Our jobs are dependent on it. Our children, our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles. Come on, church. This world needs a God that knows that he died and he rose and that he's coming back. And we got to know that we have all power in our hand and all authority. And that's what I want you to know. But the amazing grace that God extends to us today is still with us. My prayer is this. That we would not sum up what God did on the cross on the Wednesday and the Sunday morning attendance. That your walk with God would be every day of your life. Live differently, do differently, and let's become who God has called us to be. The grace that extended over 2,000 years ago is still extended today. 
So the altar is open for you. If you need to do some business with God, come to the altar. Our deacons, our elders, our pastors will pray with you. If you, have, if you don't know Christ for your Lord and Savior for yourself, come and tap me on my shoulder and say, Pastor Ryan, can you pray with me? Can you, can you, give, can you help me get what, what you have? And it's free. It's free. You don't have to do anything. It's already paid. It's paid in full. The grace of God be with us today. Thank you for watching today's video. If you made a commitment of any kind or you made a first time decision to accept Christ, we want to hear from you. Email us at info at onechurchnc.net. If today's message encouraged you, we want to encourage you to give so that we can continue to share the hope of Jesus. You can do that by visiting onechurchnc.net slash give.